Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, and you'll find this on page 1174 in the Church Bibles, page 1174. We've been working through this uh, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to probably a group of churches uh, in Ephesus and church plants from Ephesus. This is probably a letter that went around a range of churches, and and today we're we're here in chapter 3. Let's just take time to pray, shall we? Father, we pray that what we've sung, just an awed wonder in our amazing Savior, Lord, that you would help us by your Spirit to see that all the more clearly and that our lives would be shaped around the glorious grace of your Son to us. And we ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. I want to put a picture up here, and I want to just ask you a simple question. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Jewels, I hear whispered. Jewels. The girls went, jewels. (laughs) What do you see? A crown, scepter, jewels. Now have another look. What else do you see? What else do you see? A display case, right? You see a display case within which, apparently, these are the Polish uh, crown jewels, apparently. So what, what, what we've got here is a sort of a see-through glass display case that enables you kind of to look in and see these uh, jewels. I like that. It was just a hushed tone. Uh, 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 inside the box. And I think that is a very helpful image to have in our minds as we come to this part of God's Word in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. Our lives are a sort of a display case cabinet into which and through which people will see what we treasure. People. Uh, when they get to know us after a while, can, work, can see in us and see what we really value, what our lives are really uh, about. Uh, my daughters have recently sort of discovered Jane Austen. And, uh, and so there's great delight about Mr. Darcy and all the other characters. And uh, in, that, in, in Pride and Prejudice... Um, there are a number of amazing characters that Jane Austen portrays there. And, and, and I just want to test my thesis here that uh, actually when you get to know someone, you, you get to see what they value and treasure. So uh, those who hate Austen, don't know Austen, this will be meaningless to you. So just sit by. But let's put a picture up. Now who's this? Mrs. Bennett. Mrs. Bennett. And what's Mrs. what does Mrs. Bennett treasure? Above all else, well, she she just wants to marry off her daughters, doesn't she? She lives to see her daughters get married and and marry someone with an inheritance, preferably, and a large house. Because that means that she too will have security. Because she values her own security and she's fearful about her future and where she's going to live. But if she can marry off her daughters, she can have security. All right, another person. Oh, this was so brilliantly played, wasn't it? Who's this? Mr. Collins. The odious Mr. Collins, the clergyman. 
How awful is Mr. Collins? He's so awful, he's fantastic. And uh, what is Mr. Collins' life all about? What is he value and treasure? Well, he really basks, doesn't he? His glory is to bask in the reflected glory of Lady Catherine de Burgh and a marvelous Rosings Park where there are several magnificent staircases. And his glory is all about being linked to Lady Catherine de Burgh's glory. And so really, he's a snob, isn't he? And he, he gets elevated by his high association, by his patroness, Lady Catherine de Burgh. So do you get the idea? You can look at a life, and when you get to know them, you can know what is it that they treasure? What is it they value? We are like um, display cabinets as we go around. And what I want to ask as we come and read this part of Ephesians is, well, what, was the, what, what did the Apostle Paul treasure? That's the question I want us to think about. So let's take the time to read this in Ephesians chapter 3, page 1174. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely... You've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Now, this is God's word. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to be examining this section together. And what I want to just draw out today is kind of two points from this passage. Two uh, aspects that I think would be helpful for us to grasp today from God's Word. Firstly, about Paul, who is the treasure display apostle. And secondly, about us, the treasure display church. All right? About Paul, the treasure display apostle. About us, the treasure display church. 
So what was it that, that Paul treasured above all things? What is it from this passage? Well, have a look at verse 8. Verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's clear enough, isn't it? Paul saw himself as a display case, and in it was this treasure. And what is the treasure? Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what his life was about. And that's clear as you kind of read through this whole section. That's what he was. He was the display apostle who was displaying Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't always that case, was it, with the Apostle Paul? I mean, you read through the book of Acts, you'll see this story. It is perhaps the most famous conversion story in history. There was a time when Paul hated the name Jesus. He was incensed that uh, these people were going around and proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ that had been promised in the Hebrew Scriptures. This group of people were going around proclaiming this, and it made Paul absolutely mad. Because he basically, his, from his thinking, to see that Jesus was actually uh, rejected by the leaders and crucified on a cross, hung up on a tree, marked him out not to be God's Messiah, but the one who was under the curse of God. There was no way that this Jesus could be the Messiah, one who could suffer in such misery and shame and rejection. There was no way. And so he absolutely hated the name of Jesus and hated those disciples who followed Jesus and proclaimed him. Such was his hatred that he set about trying to track down Christians and imprison them and uh, persecute them. And he gladly um, stood there and approved of the death sentence of Christians. Such was his zeal to do away with all this talk of Jesus being the Christ that actually he got permission uh, to travel to Syria, the place that's much in the news this week, uh, so that he could go and hunt out more Christians and make them suffer and stop this ridiculous talk of Jesus as the Christ. And of course, what happened on the Damascus Road? It is the most famous story of all, isn't it? There on the Damascus Road, he gets a bright light from heaven that kind of ends up blinding him. And as he falls to the floor, he hears the voice from heaven, and it is the voice of the very one that he has despised. It is the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that was the one moment that completely turned this man's life upside down. The very one he had despised and rejected actually was the one who had been raised from the dead, ascended to God's right hand, and was now in glory. He was the Christ at God's glorious right hand. Paul had got it colossally wrong. Colossally wrong. And he had never forgot, he never forgot what he was before Christ grabbed hold of him. And that moment of conversion completely changed the Apostle Paul. This revelation that suddenly Jesus was the Christ. 
that he was Lord of all was the very moment that he was commissioned to take this good news all over the world. In fact, in the call of the conversion of Paul was implicit a call to take these riches on tour throughout the world. And Paul, you see, hasn't got over it, has he? Look what he says in verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, he is just glorying in God's amazing grace. He actually creates a new Greek word. He says, although I'm the leastest. There's all the least people. Well, I'm the less of the least. I'm the leastest of all God's people. And yet, amazingly, God's grace, he grabbed hold of me who was a terrible persecutor and he made me a proclaimer. He made me a preacher of the amazing riches of Christ. Paul had received this treasure and what was in his treasure cabinet, all the stuff that he was proud of in the past, his religious heritage, his great learning, his self-regard, it was all put into the trash heap. It was put... uh, into the rubbish bin and in its place was put Christ. And Paul is saying as he, as he, as he, as he actually he gets sidetracked, doesn't he? If you look at verse 14, you can see what he, almost, what he was going to say. For this reason, it starts the same way as verse 1. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. So actually he began, I think, 3 verse 1 by wanting to say how he was praying for them. But he gets sidetracked. He's so excited about this revelation from God. He's so excited about the riches of Christ. He, he, he starts off, he's going to say them about how he's going to pray for them. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, and the name of Christ is enough. And off he goes. Because surely, verse 2, you've heard about this uh, administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that this mystery made known to me by revelation, this experience he had on the Damascus Road, as I've already written briefly. In this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. It, it was not made known to men in other generations. It's now been revealed to the, by the Spirit to the holy apostles and prophets. And what is this mystery that was revealed to Paul on the road? It was there in verse 6. Here's what, got, what was clear to Paul. The mystery is that through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Gentiles, and what he means by Gentiles is all non-Jewish people. Uh, to the Jewish way of thinking, there's basically two types of people in the world. There was Jewish people and Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. So by Gentiles, he means like the rest of the world. And this is the, the mystery that was revealed to Paul on that Damascus road, is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the rest of the world who weren't Jewish are equally able to be co-heirs with Israel. All the blessings that God had promised to the Jewish people, they're in the the Hebrew Scriptures, that Gentiles are co-inheritors of that. That's why we have in our Bibles the Hebrew Scriptures. Because they now become Christian Scriptures. They belong to us now. Even Gentiles, they belong to us. We have become, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, co-inheritors with Israel. All that God promised to Israel is, is now to benefit us. That's why we're so excited about the whole Bible. That's why we read it and study it and believe it and live in the light of it, because we're co-inheritors. More than that, verse, um, verse 6, we are co-members 
together in one body. We considered this last week. Andy Prime preached this last section to us. How actually now there is just now one uh, group, the people of God, who are now made up of Jews and Gentiles, co-members of one body. And lastly, verse 6, co-sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. We get to share in all the riches of Christ. All the realities of salvation, the forgiveness of sins. All the privilege of, of, of a new status, no longer uh, enemies and rebels, but welcomed, reconciled family members. We are those who share in all the benefits of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We Gentiles are included in the gospel. Fantastic stuff. So you see, Paul basically received on the Damascus Road uh, these two bits of information. Number one, that Jesus was the greatest treasure in the whole world. He was the promised Christ. He was the Savior that was to come. He, he received this incredible insight on the Damascus Road. And secondly, in his call, he received this other amazing truth that these riches are to be shared now with everyone. No longer just Israel. These are for everyone. Two bits of amazing information. Christ is the greatest treasure. This treasure is for everyone. And what did the Apostle Paul do with that? Well, it drove him out. He was now the the, the treasure display cabinet that that he went about. And and this is a treasure display cabinet like you've never seen before. Because in it, there are great riches, the riches of Christ. And on it, there is a sign. And the sign says, please take these riches for yourself. I have never seen a treasure display box like that. Have you? I go and see the crown jewels. They do not say to me, come and share these. Have them for yourself. No, in fact, you spend a long time in HM prisons uh, if you attempt that. But this is the amazing thing that Paul discovered. No, these treasures of Christ, he goes on tour and says, please take these treasures. They are for everyone. They are for you. They're for you today. They're for me. Through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was the treasured display apostle who was making known Christ's riches to everyone. And the second thing we've got here is not just about Paul, but it's about us, the treasure display church. See, Paul's calling was not just to evangelize, but also, it says in verse 9, to um, enlighten. To make plain, it says there, to everyone, this mystery. And, and what is he to enlighten everyone? What's the information? Well, there it is, is. It's in verse 10. Here is God's plan. That his intent, verse 10, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's calling was not just to um, make disciples, to share these riches. It was to plant churches. And the plan was that these churches will be the 
treasure display cabinet to the whole cosmos. To the whole cosmos. Paul says um, to these Christians in Ephesus, do you realize how big your church is? Do you realize how significant your church is? I mean, we talk about wanting to be a witness to Edinburgh, don't we? We want to be a a light to Edinburgh. But actually, uh, if that's just our vision, it's a bit too small. Because actually, the Bible is saying that our church and and Christian churches are a witness to the whole cosmos. To the whole heavenly host. To the whole uh, unseen world of angels. That look in upon this physical world. And the heavenly host, uh, as they look at a church that is made up of multi-ethnic people, of Jews and Gentiles. That they, 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 they think to themselves, God is so wise. God is so wise. I mean, a thing I love about this church, a Charlotte Chapel, is it is a multi-generational church. I love it that we've got kiddies and we've got people who are 100 plus, actually. And I love it that we're a multi-ethnic church. I love that there's a range of colored skins here. I love it. I love it that there's people from all over the world who gather here at Charlotte Chapel. Uh, and, and the heavenly host uh, look in on us, and, and to use the words of Brian Chapel, they, they look on us and see our lives, they see our pasts, our different personalities, our, our different cultural prejudices, our different colored skins, and they say, how did God do that? How did he get such difficult and disagreeable creatures together in one body, praising him? The wisdom of God is great. You know, there are people in this room, the truth is, we have very little in common, right? We would not normally be seen in a room together. But we're here because we're a people who've come to treasure Christ above everything else. And that unity in treasuring Christ together puts us in this body. And this church, in its multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-personality group together, praising God, is a a wonderful witness. We're a display case to the cosmos of the wisdom of God. Uh, the, The heavens are going, wow, how did God do that? How did God do that? Uh, Mark Dever, who pastors a church in Capitol Hill, uh, Baptist Church in uh, Washington, D.C., tells the story of one of his members who uh, is a a, a psychiatrist. He is an expert in the field of um, the biological basis for behavior. It's actually about mobs and gangs. He'd be probably being consulted right now. Um, He's an expert in groupthink. And he had a friend, and uh, she became a Christian and started telling him about how she'd become a Christian. And he'd grown up in a mainline denomination in America, and he said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I kind of go to church every now and again. And she said to him, look, with respect, you really are not a Christian. Would you come to church with me and, and see what I'm talking about, what it really means to be a Christian? And she took him along to Capitol Hill Baptist. Now this guy who's an expert on observing uh, psychological behavior of groups... He was blown away as he came into this church. As he saw white and black, as he saw people from all sorts of different backgrounds, the way that they loved each other, the way they cared for each other as a church, he, 
He had never seen anything like that in all of his studies. He was blown away by that, and it opened his ears to hear the preaching of the gospel, and he became a Christian. And he got baptized, and he's a member of that church to this day. And what it was that unlocked him was to see the way the church, in its manifold um, nature, worked together in its love and care, love and worship of Christ and love and care for each other. Do we realize how big is the significance of our church? That we are the treasure display cabinet of God's wisdom to the cosmos. It is an incredible calling, isn't it? The Lord Jesus told the parable of uh, what the kingdom of God is like. He said it's like a man who uh, is digging up in his field and he finds uh, this treasure. And so he goes away. And it's not his field. And he decides, okay, I'm going to sell everything I've got to buy that field. And he does that. And he owns the field and therefore he owns the greatest treasure. Or Jesus says it's like a, a man who collects pearls and he, he finds this incredible pearl, the greatest, most incredible pearl he's ever had. And it's way more than he, can, than, than he can really afford, but he sells everything that he's got to buy that pearl. If you're not a Christian here today and you're wondering, well, what is a Christian? Well, this is what a Christian is. Somebody who treasures Christ above everything else. Uh, that they're willing to put away with everything else if they can have Jesus Christ. That they have come to see that this one that so many in the world reject as insignificant and as foolish is actually the greatest treasure that God has ever given us and are captivated by Christ. That's what a Christian is. And the question really today is, is Christ the treasure that we display in our lives and in our church. If we were to put your picture up on the screen uh, after Mrs. Bennett and Mr. Collins, would people be looking up and going, oh yeah, I know what that person's life's about. They're about Christ. They treasure Christ. They live for Christ. So I'm going to put each picture up now. and I wonder what people would say if our face went up. The truth is um, that most people in this world, or a lot of people in this world, do not treasure Christ in that way. They treasure sex, pleasure, career, fame, And sadly, there have been Christian churches that really have been a display cabinet to far lesser things than the glory of Christ. Uh, just chatting on the street last night, met one man, and uh, he was quite keen to sh tell me how brilliant he was, and also to point out how tragic the Christian church was. And, and you know the truth, the sad truth is, is that actually he had plenty of evidence he could point to. Uh, sadly, sometimes the church, churches have been a display cabinet to prejudice, to um, corruption, places of gossip. Sometimes churches can end up being just proud of their history. Talk to people, uh, and all they talk about is the glories of the past. 
the ministers, the this, that and the other. But when we treasure Christ in our lives, we're just going to find ourselves talking about him, are we not? It's inevitable. Um, the greatest witnesses to Christ are those who treasure Christ the most. I think about my friend Russ, and uh, Russ became a Christian about nine years ago, and he just is so aware of what his life was like before. And uh, he can see that Jesus has not only saved him uh, from his sins and saved him for the future, but he can see the way that Jesus is saving him in his life right now, the way that he's changing, the, the way he relates to his wife. The truth was, if he was keep going the way he was, he was probably going to end up in a divorce. But Jesus saved his marriage. Truth was, before, he really didn't know how to raise his kids or what to teach him, but he sees that Jesus is saving him and helping him to teach and train his kids. He, he just... He loves Jesus. And to meet Russ is, is to not spend very long before you find him talking about Jesus and the gospel. Uh, I, I remember telling me he's a salesman. He sells dental implants. And uh, there was a period of time where he wasn't doing very well with his sales, wasn't hitting the targets. And his region wasn't doing very well either. And um, the, 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 the salesman was chatting to Russ. And after a while I said, Russ, I don't get it, he said. Uh, our, our sale figures uh, are just lousy and you're still happy. What, 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 what's going on with you, man? And Russ said, well, do you really want to know? He said, yeah, I want to know. No, 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 Russ said, do you really want to know? Yeah, I really want to know. He said, well, my life is not about sales. My life's about Jesus Christ. And whether my sales go up or down, I, I have... I have so much in Christ. Do you want me to tell you about Jesus? Well, that's just Russ. That's to know Russ. When we treasure Christ, we're going to be witnesses for Christ. And uh, it was such a joy uh, over uh, the last weekend just to partner with all the guys doing the Point Cafe, using different skills and stuff like that, you know, whether singing or doing the cooking or out on the street, having teas and coffees out, chatting to folk to see people who want others to know about Christ. The study cabinet over the weekend has been, come and have a look at Jesus. And it, in a sense, that is what our church is about, is it not? Now, what should we do if we're not treasuring Christ in that way? What should we do if our hearts are getting a little bit cold? What should we do? Well, look at verse 12. In him, in Christ, and through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And then Paul's going to tell them the sort of things he prays for them. More of that next week. If we're feeling cold, that we're not treasuring Christ as we ought, what can we do? Well, my friends, what I say to you if you're Christians here today is turn to God in prayer. Ask him to help you treasure Christ more. Actually, you know, we've been seeing it already in this letter, haven't we? The need to ask God to give us the power to grasp all that we have in Christ. I'd encourage you, if your heart is cold, to go back to the beginning of Ephesians 
and start a, uh, a time of praising God for the fact that you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. When did you last take time to do that? If your heart is cold, uh, other things are, are more important to you, spend some time, carve out some time in praise and pray to God. Praise Him that you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Remember what those blessings are? You know, that we're blessed in Him, that we're chosen, that we're holy, that we're blameless, that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that we're adopted, that we're informed, that we're significant. Praise Him for all those blessings. My friends, praising God for these things will begin to change your heart, our hearts, will it not? Is, it, is this not the great privilege of gathering Sunday by Sunday and singing some of these songs? They lift us up to consider, man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Him. And then read on in your Bible. And uh, pray that God would actually enlighten you by His Spirit, that you would know Him better. Pray that you would open the eyes of your heart so you'd know the, the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance that you are to him in the saints, uh, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Call on him to do that work in our hearts. Pray that we'll get it, that we've got it. You go on to chapter 2. Uh, recall what we were like before. We were dead in our sins, enslaved, condemned. But God, because of his great love, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, Reflect on that. Meditate on that. Ask him to reveal to you the greatness of what he's done. Remember what you were like, Paul says. Remember that last week? Formerly, you were without God, without hope, far off from him. That was our state. But in Christ, through the shedding of his blood, you've been brought near. Praise God for that. Ask him to do that work that we, in a sense, can get our eyes off the junk that can go into our little display cabinet and just realize, actually, compared to Christ, this is crud. This is nothing. This is temporary. This is limited. It doesn't even really satisfy at the end of the day. Put it in the junker and put Christ there. Do you think God will do that if you ask him? I think he will. I think he will. So the question really is, what's going to be in the display cabinet? Next slide there. Keep going. What's going to be seen in the display cabinet of our lives this week? What are people going to see in our lives this week? Can I encourage you to do one practical thing? Pray for one opportunity this week to turn the conversation away from yourself to Christ you know you're, you're in mid-flow and you're talking about the stuff that you normally talk about I, want, I just pray that you remember in that one moment actually oh no not me Christ who's the great treasure I mean you are fabulous you are each one of you is precious in God's eyes but he's the treasure isn't he so pray for a moment say Lord help me to divert the conversation away from me 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 to Christ and what will be displayed in this church today? What's going to be the display case of this church today to the heavenly realms? Now, it could be that um, the heavenly realms will, go and go, will look down and go, why do they get so worked up about music? You know? Uh, 
Or they could look at us and go, wow, isn't it amazing how gracious those people who hate drums are to put up with drums? I mean, they hated that electric guitar. They hated it. They were scrunching up their faces in horror at it. And yet they were so gracious and loving and kind because they remembered the main thing was Christ. Or, you know, next week when we've got that really loud organ and the young people go, oh, I hate the organ, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. We're so fuddy-duddy. So the heavenly realms would look down and say, wow, look at God's amazing wisdom. Look at the grace that is evident in, the, in, in those young people's lives that they can be thankful that they were praising Jesus, whether it was the organ or not. And then the way they, the way they can be flexible and open and loving to those who love the organ and hate the drums. If we're going to display the manifold wisdom of God to the world, do you know, in a sense, we, we need God's grace to be able to show that love and care and grace to one another. Gracious speech, loving words will be the display cabinet for the cosmos are going, wow, how did God do that? How did he do it? He did it all through the Lord Jesus Christ. The un fathomable riches of Christ. Do you know what? As a church, we're on a journey. Do you know this? We're on a journey. We've begun to see something of the riches of Christ. But keep coming with us because, do you know what? We're going deeper. And do you know what? You can't get to the bottom of this. We're going to see this next week. Height, depth, length, breadth. So much to see. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Father, we want to thank you for the riches of your grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to esteem him more and ourselves less. Father, give us grace uh, and faith to turn uh, away from the foolish things that we treasure, to treasure him above all else. And Father, please, Help us, continue to help us as a church. We thank you that it is a display of your wisdom to this world and we pray that that would be all the more true this day. Bless us in our conversations. Uh, Bless us in our loving care of one another. That our lives would be a testimony to your grace and your wisdom. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.